Kitty Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacy LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Sarah Dunsmore. Sarah co-owns CDE Animal Cages with her husband, Sean, in Omaha, Nebraska. Born into an animal rescue-oriented family, the trend continued when Sean and Sarah were married 20 years ago, and the pair has had horses, donkeys, goats, dogs, cats, rabbits, chickens, guineas, geckos, guinea pigs, and a pony, and two human kids throughout their marriage. CDE has been in business for over 30 years and was a perfect fit for the couple when they purchased it several years ago and moved the company to Omaha. Within days of taking ownership of the business, Sarah and Sean knew they wanted to shift the focus of the business to specifically helping shelters and rescue groups. Although moonlighting as college professor, PhD in health, Sarah is truly passionate about incorporating the concept of health to animals by providing rescue professionals and non-professionals the tools they need to be able to do the real work that the world depends on, helping animals to stay healthy and find forever homes. CDE Animal Cages aims to connect shelters and rescue groups with enclosures that are designed with the goal of comfort and security for healthy animals and ease of use for the humans that take care of them. Open-air enclosures with various portalized options have proved not only to reduce euthanasia rates, but make for more adoptions and healthier and happier animals. We want to let as many rescues and shelters know about these benefits as they can in hopes that they can play a small part in the great work that is being done in the animal rescue community. Sarah, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's my pleasure. So we got a bit of information in your bio about your incredible passion for animals and incredible devotion. And it's wonderful that you list all the animals that you've had and then you put your kids at the end. Yep, that's pretty much how it's gone. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, so I think you got that right going in the bio there. But since we are on the Community Cats podcast, let's talk a little bit about what makes cats so special to you. From the time I can remember, have always been around cats. Um, we lived out in the country when I was a child. I lived in Texas. I grew up in Texas. And we were at the end of a road where people just tended to dump animals that they were either done with or animals that were lost. My dad used to say that that he thought there was a beacon that kind of was up for stray animals and they knew that they could come to our house. So cats have been sort of a mainstay in my life from that early age until presently. um, And I don't see that trend really stopping anytime soon. So I've had a lot of exposure to them and just had the opportunity to to realize what a special species they are and how really connected humans are with cats and the importance of the human's role in protecting and engaging with these amazing creatures. And we just are fortunate um, now in our present life to have the opportunity to do that. Cats are really what I would say are our focus. We do work for all sorts of animals, but cats, I think, are probably our our number one, which is 100% fine by me. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I began working in this field back in 1994, and I would say sort of the evolution of caging has changed dramatically. I'm curious to know what your thoughts are. Where did we start with caging cats and thoughts around that? And maybe take us sort of through the history into the whole concept of portalization of our cages for cats. Great question. And I think that is important to note that the evolution of cages, you're right, has changed. And I think it has run parallel to kind of the approach of shelters moving from high euthanasia rates to really a focus of trying to save and preserve the lives of as many cats as possible through various programs, whether it's TNR or kind of looking at shelter models. So I think for us, we have seen some evolution, but the way that our cages are put together and designed has put us at an advantage in that evolution. I've done a little bit of research and being in this community and studying, we have looked at the health of animals in, especially in a shelter environment um, and how that plays a role with euthanasia rates and the overall health and happiness of the animals and specifically the cats that are having to spend time in a shelter. And I think the Association of Veterinary Medicine several years ago started to really define what would make a shelter successful in trying to accomplish those goals. And they put forth a set of guidelines, and that's kind of an answer to your question about this portalization. These guidelines uncovered a concept that wasn't there years ago. And that concept is the separation of sections and the more room that you provide for an animal the healthier and happier they're going to be. In my previous life, before we owned the cage company, I've worked in academia um, and have a PhD in health. And so I am very familiar with the concept of stress and what it does to humans and their lives and how it can impact them in either a negative or a really positive way. And I have found that those same concepts run true with these animals that we are charged with with taking care of and and being responsible for. So that concept of decreasing the amount of stress that an animal is in when they are in a confined environment, which in shelter life is inevitable, right? You've got to bring an animal in and keep them safe and evaluate them and then have them ready to move on to their forever home. So the concept of keeping them healthy is important for shelters to run and and also just to see more numbers. The healthier a cat stays, the less sick they're going to be, obviously. And a lot of that has to do with stress. And the less sick or the more healthy that animal is, the more quickly they're going to be adopted out, find a forever home. And then there's a place that opens up for the next stray or cat that is brought in. So our cages specifically are able to really cater to those guidelines that this organization put out. Specifically, there's an animal shelter in California that so far is the only organization that has accomplished these guidelines and become a model shelter. And what they did was they um, were traditionally using just one unit cages for their cats upon entering the facility. Um, So they had a little unit 
that was oftentimes stainless steel and solid walls. And the cat lived in there until they either were determined to be sick or they found their forever home. And what this specific shelter did was they took their one unit cages and drilled, had someone come in and portalized that solid wall in between that unit and the next. And they separated the two living spaces for one cat. So what was before two units now became just one unit for one cat. And so on one side, they have their lounge area where they eat and drink. And then through the little portal, they're able to access a separate section with their litter box where they can urinate, defecate. All of that is kept separate. And even though it seems contrary, you don't want to decrease your units of space that you have for these cats coming in. But what this shelter found was actually the opposite, that by portalizing and essentially cutting their space in half, the health of the the cats that they had in the shelter increased dramatically. And just like I said before, with that decrease in stress, the health increased, which meant that less cats were staying for long longer periods of time, less cats had to see veterinarians and more cats were able to be adopted out. And that's kind of what's special about our cages. We are able to portalize both horizontally as well as vertically through the floor, just standard on a lot of our, our cage models. So we are we're really hoping to offer shelters an alternative to sick housing. And there's definitely a need for a solid and completely enclosed area for a cat that is suffering or possibly is contagious. But there are a ton of healthy cats that come into that shelter environment. And if we can keep them healthy and happy with open air, which our cages are open air, and with this portalized option, I just really think that we can continue this trend of decreasing euthanasia rates and increasing health of the animals that we're trying to serve. Are your units on wheels? I know from cleaning, there's the material that your units are built out of and whether or not there's mobility with regards to wheels. And not necessarily speaking specifically to your units, but also just in terms of what should we be thinking about, you know, in our own environments to help ensure that we're able to get the job done with the lowest amount of stress for the cats. Absolutely. The cats as well as the humans that are doing the work, right? Because if those humans are stressed, they're going to be not doing a great job either. So great question. And yes, all of our units come standard with casters, which lift the unit up about two inches so that cleaning and or moving that cage is a lot easier. Another sort of benefit that we've got both for the the person who's working with the animals and the animals inside is that all of our enclosures are panels made up of panels that just simply go together with a couple of bolts and an Allen wrench. So in a shelter environment, when you got all of these things that you're trying to kind of combat and clean on a daily basis, we are able to provide a cage that you can take off just a back or a front or just take off one panel where there might be a problem. Maybe somebody had some sort of emergency or some sort of explosion, but you don't want to completely disassemble the entire cage. That's possible just by taking off one panel. And this is not hard work. It's 
an Allen wrench and bolts. Additionally, when you need to, the entire cage can be broken down very easily and very quickly into the individual panels and completely sanitized however often that's necessary in that shelter environment. You know, we've got groups that we know just roll them out um, and completely like power wash a cage every two weeks. And then, you know, other groups maybe don't have that sort of setup where they can do that. So we try to make them as versatile as possible. Our mission is to serve the people that are actually doing the real service in this community and make that process as easy and as the least amount of complications that we can. So if you were in an organization, a relatively young organization without a ton of money and you've just rented a space or even like in the case of uh, cat cafes, they're growing all over the place and they have to have some holding areas for cats and they're just a small business struggling to pay the bills every month too. It's not like every organization has thousands and thousands of dollars. If you were starting out so small, what thoughts or advice that you'd like to share with folks when thinking about housing the cats? Such a good, important question and one that you know, we can relate to being a small business. So, and those are honestly our favorite people to deal with, the ones who kind of come and allow us to meet them where they're at. And we've got a couple of options with that. We realize that large banks of enclosures could be a real investment for a group. And so to combat that, we have a rescue discount for anyone doing rescue work. But additionally, we have a fantastic grant writer that we work with that we pass on to any small or large organization that we're working with. In addition to that, I always try to tell people that we will we'll meet you where you're at. We will try to accomplish whatever specific needs that you have, either through our standard models or some sort of customization. Maybe you don't need a back wall because you could essentially attach this unit to the back wall. There's a lot of little hacks or a lot of little tricks that we can do sort of in-house. Additionally, I got a great tip from, I don't know if you're familiar with Mike Arms. He works with Helen Woodward um, in California. And we met him at a conference and we were chatting with him and they use a lot of our enclosures. And he had a fantastic idea that he has allowed me to share, which is they put their cage, like a probably six or one of our nine bank cages in their front lobby area so that these open air cages, people are able to come in and interact with these animals and really sort of make a connection in hopes of, you know, adopting or helping these animals move through. But not everybody's able to do that, just like not every rescue group is able to buy an entire bank of cages. But what they started doing is they got little acrylic boxes that would attach onto the wire of our cages. And they were sort of just little lock boxes. And they would put a little note on each unit that said, a dollar today will feed me for a day. And what they noticed was people that come in to the shelter and maybe are not in a spot where they're ready to adopt, they still want to participate. They see the eyes of these cats and they they hear these cats talking to them. They still want to participate and they're still making a connection with these animals, even if they're not set up to take that next step so they can allow their kids or themselves to just put a dollar in. And Mike has been shocked and I was shocked as well that these cages, which can be slightly expensive, have paid for themselves 
once, sometimes twice over just from that little activity. So we've got some little tricks to combat the expensive nature of quality enclosures. And I, you know, I do want to stress that these are not cages that you'd be able to get at Walmart or on Amazon. But that is because we only want shelters to have to shop for cages one time because the really important work of whether you be a foster or you're working in a shelter, the work that you should be doing and that you want to be doing is with those animals, not looking through options or dealing with, you know, line items. So we try to make the process as easy as possible, but also it's an investment in the future of your animals. So I, I've had a lady that called me about two months ago and she has had her cages for over 30 years and just needed a couple of replacement bolts. So that's the type of quality that we're sending out and that it's our standard. And so we hope to be able to meet every group where they're at and facilitate in whatever way we can that they can have that sort of product in their environment to help them succeed. Trying to catch a pregnant cat in time? Are you after that last cat who isn't fixed in your 10-cat colony? Got a wily feral who just won't go into a box trap no matter how much you spend on roasted chicken? How about catching a litter of kittens all at once with their mom? All these tough trapping situations and more can be solved if you know how to use a drop trap. Join Neighborhood Cats, co-designers of the first mass-manufactured drop trap on the market as they demonstrate how to best use this trapper's best friend, the drop trap. A Trapper's Best Friend is a webinar presented by the Community Cats Podcast and Neighborhood Cats on Saturday, June 29th, 2019 from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. To sign up, go to communitycatspodcast.com. We'll see you there. Catalogical exists to help cat parents love their kitties better with the most in-depth cat food reviews online, plus hundreds of other fact-based articles. Catalogical is your one-stop shop when it comes to learning more about your cat. Catalogical works with multiple retail partners to provide custom coupons on everything from automatic litter boxes to microbiome testing, so you're also likely to save when you choose one of their recommended products. One partner interview that I did with Larry Shively of ProVetLogic, I think if folks are interested in this topic, they should go back and listen to that show. He talks about cleaning cages, sanitation in the sheltering environment. And I just think talking about disassembling the cages and sanitizing items, there are a lot of similar themes that you're talking about that he talks about in his show. So if folks haven't listened to that show, I think it would be great. And another show that comes to mind is us. Sandy Reese of ARF Club. She does fundraising advice, and I'm sure that she has some great ideas around how to fundraise for items, how to fundraise for a cage. Um, A lot of people like to buy things for shelters um, and rescue groups rather than just donate for any old general funds. So having a specific ask out there, doing a specific campaign can also do really well or a crowdfunding campaign. There's so many different options for fundraising. And I will also say that foundations, you talk about a grant writer and quite a few foundations, you know, they'd like that plaque right up there on the cage. So that's that's also a really good tip. I'd want to talk a few minutes about your thoughts around catios. I do have a few thoughts and catios are becoming more, more and more popular. And I think when we really started to get 
we had done a few catios for some individuals and a couple of organizations, but we really started getting involved with catios probably about a year and a half, two years ago. There is a group in Oregon who partners with the Audubon Society. Um, It's the Cat Coalition partnering with the Audubon Society there, and they've made this marriage and they actually put on a catio tour, but they were the ones who are really sort of educating folks in their area and nationwide about the importance of catios in the health of not only cats and people's individual pets or even rescue groups or different organizations that house cats in keeping them safe, but still giving them the outside enrichment and exposure that they naturally are drawn to and and really need. The great thing and why it was a great um, connection for us to make with them is that we are able to cater to whatever outside existing structure that people have and either build onto that. We can build freestanding and really the sky's the limit in terms of customizing a space outside to protect the cat, but also, you know, protect others outside of the realm of that cat's sort of environment. So whether it be wildlife or other cats, it's just a great way to give them more of that healthy environment to keep the cat healthy, but also happy and engaged and as close to their natural environment as we can get. And so we've had a a ton of success with catios, but I think it's important to note that setting up a catio or providing a catio for your own personal cat or cats that you're working with, it's important that it's done right. You know, we've seen ones that are not done right. It, putting the cat at risk in terms of safety or um, health is not worth it. So we, we're really trying to cater to that market you know, meet people where they're at. So we can do ones that line up with a window. We can do tunnels even from a house. So, you know, a lot of people like the cat to be able to go out on their own and not necessarily have a specific time. So there's all sorts of options that we can provide for folks. That's great. You're making me want to think I need to put a patio, a catio on my house. I have a patio, but I need a catio. Well, and and it's kind of the gift that continues to give. We put up a 15-foot catio just recently, and the feedback that we've had from that rescue group that is working with that has been tremendous. And then again, just for most of our catios, we use anodized aluminum frames. We can do that, or the PVC frame is usually what we do for indoor in our banks. But the longevity of that anodized aluminum or the PVC is important. And, you know, we see a lot of these catios being made out of wood, which is good initially, but a couple of years in, I mean, there's a reason that we probably don't make toilets out of out of wood because they're not, wood is, is porous and is not intended to be outside or used with animals for a long period of time. So we really pride ourselves on the quality of our materials so that if you invest in a catio, it's going to be like a part of your house or it easily can be broken down into panels and moved if you move. So there's a lot of versatility in that market for sure. For folks that didn't hear the show I did with uh, Karen Krauss and Bob Salinger talking about their Cat Safe at Home campaign that they have and their catio tour. They were guests on the show and they've become great friends. Uh, it's a, a thrill to, to work with them. They're both great 
people and they've got a fantastic program going on in Portland, Oregon. So big shout out to them and the work that they've been doing out there. Glad to hear that you've partnered with them. Um, So Sarah, folks are interested in finding out more about the work that you're doing. How would they do that? Probably the central place is our website, which is cdecages.com. And we've got links there. We've got all of our standard models listed on there. And some of our custom designs, we've got photos of those and links to our social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, as well as our YouTube channel, which has a lot of description. The YouTube channel goes through custom models or, or standard models and really shows a lot of the features like the portalization I was talking about, whether it be removed vertical dividers horizontally or access holes in between levels. So you can see a lot of that detail on our YouTube channel, but I just want to encourage people to reach out, give me a phone call, an email. Um, We are a small family business, so you'll be speaking with me when you call. And we just, we really just want to connect. And even if it's to call me and say, "I, I don't have any money to do this, but this is what I would like to do. And let's start the conversation and see where we can get you. And we would just love to hear from anyone. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? I want to give a heartfelt thank you to the community that is reaching out and taking on this responsibility of cats in our communities because it's such a special and important role. And I am just in awe of the people doing this hard work and the unsung heroes kind of in this process. We would just love to be of service to this group. Excellent. Sarah, I want to thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on my show, and I hope we'll have you on again in the future. Sounds fabulous. We would love it. Thanks, Stacy. Join us June 21st through 23rd for a kitten-focused event presented by the National Kitten Coalition and the Community Cats Podcast. This three-day virtual gathering will feature presentations by experts on raising and saving kittens, setting up and managing kitten-centered shelter programs, and more. Early bird tickets are available now through April 30th for just $50, and after that, $75 tickets will be available through June 22nd. So don't wait. Sign up for the 2019 Online Kitten Conference.